at 806 South Van Ness. We've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco, and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen specials. Shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh, yeah. It goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Hey, everybody. Two o'clock. It's Mutiny Radio. It's time. You know what time it is. It's time for some call me Tim. Tim. There it is. I never get it right. Uh, I was supposed to have someone named Lynn Chen in as a guest today. But she did not remember. And unfortunately, I book way too many shows to remind everybody when I booked them. I kind of expect people to be adults and take care of their own bookings. And when I book you, you write it down. I mean, I wrote it down. I just didn't have time to remind you. Also, it's World Cup. So I kind of understand a little bit. But I'm sure she's not watching the World Cup. Hey, Lynn Chen, I don't know who you are. It's a bummer that I uh, wasn't able to have you on the program because I'm here. <laughs> so let's play an old Some Call Me Tim from, um, from long ago. Please enjoy. Uh, we'll be back at 4 o'clock with this Sparkast here on Mutiny Radio. Hi. Hi. Uh, oh shit. Just, uh, Can I just hit this? <laughs> 
coconut. This is a beep. I don't believe is arriving today because I just, anyways, let's get to the point. I have these amazing wraps that uh, it's called Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff. Uh, I am Hot Dirty P, Pam Benjamin, and the Sheriff is the Sheriff of Truth, Latoya Sharif Wynn. And we together made this whole grouping of songs. I'm going to play them all for you today. It's our album. They are all political. They were all one-offs. We did them live on the spot during the AltaCast. And we're trying to put them together in a way to get them out to more listeners. So thanks for listening to Some Call Me Tim. But today we are going to listen to the new hot album, Still Not Out. We're going to drop it soon. Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff. This was our first song, Susan Olson. Trump support. I, I think Trump supporters are funny to me, really. I don't think we should take them off the air all the time. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to. This is a. This is a. Rap, rap background. We're going to rap to it. <laughs> we'll get a little bit beat. Hey there, little pussy. Let me get my big boy pants on and really take you on. What a snake in the grass. You are, you lying piece of shit. What? Too cowardly to confront me in real life. You do it on Facebook. You're the biggest faggot ass in the world. Biggest uh, pussy, uh, pussy, pussy. Uh, my dick is bigger than yours. Which, which ain't saying much. What a true piece of shit you are, lying faggot. I hope you meet your karma slowly and painfully. Say uh, slowly and painfully. I'm Susan Olsen. Oh, uh, slowly. I'm Susan Olsen. Wise, you pathetic little cunt, you are. Right. Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy. Uh, Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy. What? <laughs> waiting for you. Enjoy. enjoy. Slowly. What? Slowly. Slowly. Make America great again. Making America great. What a pathetic little cunt you are. Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy. 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 I'm living in that Martin. Enjoy. Susan Olson, the biggest cunt, drops off all the We're going to see what happens uh, <laughs> here. As we, uh, we're going to bring up, uh, we're going to start with a little uh, West Coast gangster rap in the background, and we're going to see, we're going to see what happens. Here. God, I, I, I'm going to love this already. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> Is it going? It should be going. It should be, we should be hearing it, and I do oh, can you put four up? Yep. There we go. Here, we'll start it over. Okay, here we go. Here we go. These are... Ariana Huff. 
Washington is unattractive, both inside and out. What? I fully understand why her former husband left her for a man. What? For a man? For a man? For a man? For a man? Arvton Huffington is unattractive, both inside and out. I fully understand why her former husband left her for a man. He made a good decision. Making good decisions. 45, making good decisions. 45, are you still alive? Making good decisions. Meryl Streep, one of the most overrated actresses in Hollywood, doesn't know me but attacked last night at the Golden Globes. Uh uh. She's a Hillary flunky who lost big. She's a Hillary flunky who lost big for the hundredth time. I never mocked a disabled reporter. showed him groveling when he totally changed a 16-year-old story that he'd written in order to make me look bad. <laughs> bad. Sad. Just more dishonest media. Oh, Just fake news. Fake news. We made a good decision. Did we make a good decision? I said no. I did make a good decision. What if I So good decision. What if I Can you imagine what outcry would be if Snoop Dogg's failing career and all had aimed and fired a gun at President Obama? How? Jail time. Jail time. Jail time. Negroes. Jail time. Jail time. Snoop Dogg. Any negative polls are just fake news. Just like CNN, ABC, embassy polls in the election. Sorry, people want border security and extreme vetting. Turn my mic on. Yeah. Want border security and vetting. For the five lives. For the five lives. Just must more dishonest media. Just more very dishonest media. Fake news. I will build a great wall. I will build a great wall. And nobody builds walls better than me. I said nobody builds walls better than me. Believe me. Believe that. I will build a great wall. A great wall. And no one builds walls better than me. And I'll build them very inexpensively. I will build a great wall. A great wall. Big great wall. Not China. And nobody builds walls better than me. Definitely not China, you see. I will build a great wall. A great wall. Believe me, and I'll build them very inexpensively. China. And I will make Mexico pay for that wall. Oh, Mexico gonna pay? Nah, not today. Mark my words. Uh, not today. Mark not my words. <laughs> this no. is this is my favorite quote. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending the best. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems. And they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. Rape? What? No. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending the best. They're rapists. And they're criminals. Like the over office And some, I assume Are good people 
There we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's about today. Female <laughs> body inspectors. Actually, that is, it's I guess, real. I guess the, it's this real. is actually the FBI. very real. <laughs> yeah, it's FBI female body inspectors. Oh. And uh, it's going to, we're going to, we're going to try it. We're going to see what happens here. We're going to make some magic, yo. FBI magic. Oh. Tansu. Teaching you the language of language. Oh. Uh, Let's go. Get the beats down, little Dr. Dre in the back. I say Dr. Dre for FBI director. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre puts the shit down. Dr. Dr. Dre. Dre. He ain't gonna take no shit from anybody. He's just gonna put the shit down. He's gonna beat down. I recommend Big Bird because everyone in the government is a big turd. Yeah, Big Bird for FBI director. Female body inspector. Who else would be a good FBI director? I say Ronda Rouse. She gonna put the smack down. Smack bitch. Oh, smack down smack on everybody. I trust her. I trust Why her. Not? Who else are you gonna trust? You gonna go Chris Christie or Rudy Giuliani? I say no. No way. No FBI. No. FBI. 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 CIA. Charge all the FBI. I recommend Ted Bundy. Though he's, Ted Bundy. <laughs> he's dead now. He might, we can redirect his ghost, bring it back. He's gonna put the smack down. Oh, he's on fleet. You know what I mean? He strangles, strangles women too. Yeah! That's what our government does. Yeah, just strangling women. Strangling women. If you want to apply to a job at the FBI, just go to FBIjobs.gov. You can have some employment eligibility, but don't, you probably don't if you smoke pot. You don't see, do drugs. can't have smoked pot in the past three years. That's impossible here in San Francisco. Who hasn't smoked pot in the past three hours? I ain't got friends like that anymore. They dead to me. Not going to be a part of the FBI. Not going to be in a director. Hey, FBI. not I. This ain't going to happen. Who else can we... charge of the FBI. I'm the director of everything in your life. Give me your money. I'm Tony Robbins and self-help. It's way better than Rudy Giuliani, right? <laughs> FBI. FBI. Gonna, the FBI. Trump's gonna elect them for the FBI because anyone who doesn't believe in his Russian ties, I say he's gonna pick someone who really hates Clinton, who's gonna make her go to prison. It's gonna be sad and it might be great, but he's gonna really try to clean the slate with a new person in the FBI. Female body inspector. Who's gonna be the leader of the FBI? Female body inspector. Maybe we should have a margarita. It's the number one trending cocktail and I'm sure that it could run the FBI. I'm sure that it can take care of these important tasks. It's salty enough too. Find the criminals. Prosecute them. Leader of the FBI. Yeah. C-I-A and T-C-A What they got to be I don't care What about Charlie Sheen? Yay! We did <laughs> I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school I would imagine there's probably a gun in the school Bang, bang To protect from potential grizzlies 
Bang. Grizzly bears Bang. in Michigan didn't know there were grizzly bears in Michigan. Ever oh. heard about Columbine? <laughs> there weren't no grizzlies, just a bunch of kids in coats killing other kids. Don't worry, because at least they're buying guns, which is good for the economy, right? Betsy DeVos claimed that historically black colleges and universities are pioneers of school choice. What? That started from the fact that where there were too many students in America who didn't have equal access to education. Just, just segregation. Brown versus education, 1954. Not enough education, just segregation. Segregation, yeah. I love homeschooling and charter schools and all that stuff, cause it's for segregation. Not education, segregation. Let's bring it back. Let's make America great again. Make America great again. Make America great again. When the white people were in charge. Yeah. Soft dark money. My family is the biggest contributor of soft money. Soft, soft. To the Republican National Committee. By my way, by my way, did it by my way in, did it by my way in. I have decided to stop taking offense at the suggestion that we are buying influence. Oh, buying influence with our soft money, buying influence with our soft money. Now I simply concede the point, they are right. We do expect something in return. For investment. Like a job, like a job, like, I don't know. How about education secretary? Oh, grizzly bears in classrooms. Oh, let's shoot them. We expect to foster a conservative governing philosophy consisting of limited government and respect for traditional American virtues. That word tradition again. And virtues. Oh, she means white. American virtues. She means white. American, American virtues. Oh, she, she means white. And we expect a return on our investment. She bought herself in. Bought herself in. She's white. We can... Okay, there we go. So we're going to be rapping to to the dulcet beat tones of uh, Iggy Azalea's no, Medi- no Mediocre Feet, which I think is what... Kellyanne Conway did is no mediocre feet here. Uh, oh, break it down. What you think about that, Sheriff? What? Are you gonna Are you gonna bring him the truth? Are we gonna bring it? Bringing the truth. About absolutely. Skinny, skinny little ladies. Skinny rice little cakes. rice cakes. The rice cakes of news. There was an article this week that talked about how you can surveil someone through their phones, through their, certainly through their television sets, any numbers of different waves, and microwaves. Microwaves. And microwaves. Microwaves. They turn into cameras, etc. So you just know that's just a fact of modern life. Click. Modern life. Click. 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 Click.
seconds, 30 seconds watching you, 30 seconds watching you, heat up that, hot water, what do you eat, Kelly Ann Conway, hot water, hot water, maybe some tea, there's no calories in tea, you see, oh, uh, sorry, Kelly Ann, we're watching you, I think the big lesson to the political class is to stop listening so much to each other, and start listening to the people, Stop listening to each other. You gotta listen to the people. They're not listening to each other anyways. What could they be talking about? Maybe microwaves. Microwaves. The CIA is after you. After you. With your microwaves. The microwaves. They are actually listening to the people. We're watching you. Usually based on an economic agenda, white working class voters don't buy into this whole biology, chemistry, abortion, gender agenda as much as they want more take home pay. They want affordability. I want some money too. <laughs> affordability. Affordability with their abortions, usually based on an economic agenda. White working women voters don't buy into this whole biology, chemistry, abortion, gender agenda as much as they want more take home pay. Yeah, equality. Equality. Let's ratify the 19th Amendment. Uh, yeah, woman suffrage. 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 She's out for suffrage. Watching you. Kelly Ann Conway knows about suffrage. Um, because they're watching. She's white too. She is, and so thin. I thought we always just listen to thin, pretty women. Don't we just do that? They're clearly telling the truth. She is clearly telling the truth. Many Americans are very concerned with the lack of vetting that's going on. Show me your papers. Show me your papers. Show me that you belong here. Show me your papers. Show me your papers. Isn't that why they signed that new vetting act? Oh, oh if, no. If you don't show the papers, we might think you're a terrorist. What? Donald Trump has addressed many times that his main concern is making sure that we have a system in place that we completely lack now, which is those countries that tend to train and export and harbor terrorists where we do not have proper vetting are places where we're going to need to have better vetting. And he's made that very clear. Better vetting. Is it clear to you now? Yay! Yay! We did it again! Yay! We did it again! Yes! We did it! We're gonna come we up with our mixtape! We did it! Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> well, one one old man I don't like is uh, Pence. So let's uh, see what happens here. Let's see what happens with our new rap. Here we go. <clears throat>
frankly, condoms are a very, very poor protection against sexually transmitted diseases. Sexuality is incompatible with military. Hashtag no Homosexual is incompatible with the military service. Homo. Because the presence of homosexuals in the rank weakens unit cohesion. Because homosexuals are weak. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying homosexuals are weak? I think that's it. I think that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. I think he's in this closet. In the closet. saying that Steve Bannon has a small penis. Is that what's happening? Yes. I always go to the dick. All rise. All rise for his master of spin. Mr. White House chief strategist in the Trump administration. 45's main liar. Misogynist. Racist homophobe. Steve Bannon man. Steve, Steve, Steve Bannon man. Who is he? He's Steve, Steve Bannon, man. He's Steve Bannon, man. Oh, uh, the most hateful. 
Moses. Hey, 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 hey. Steve, Steve, Stefana. Steve, 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 Stefana. Like a guard dog. Hoist it high and proud. The Confederate flag proclaims a glorious heritage. White is right. Oh. White is right. We're pretty racist against lots of things. Oh. Steve, 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 Bannon. Steve, 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 Bannon. Trannies whine about hilarious Bruce Jenner billboard. He's still calling them trannies. Oh, the misogyny, the homophobe, the transphobia. I can't believe it. Birth control makes women unattractive and crazy. I said birth control makes women unattractive and crazy. What? It makes you fat. It makes your voice unsexy. It makes you a slut. Because it's Steve, Steve, Steve Bannon. Steve, Steve, Steve Bannon. Big, big misogynist. Big, big hater. returns to colleges in September. I said suck it up, buttercups. Suck it up. Suck it up. Steve, 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 Steve Bannon. Bannon. Steve oh. is the hate that. Steve Gotta hate the fags, gotta hate the Jews, gotta hate the ladies and all of yous. Suck it up, buttercups. Dangerous faggot tour returns to colleges in September because he's Steve, 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 Steve Bannon. Steve, 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 Steve Bannon. Steve, 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 you just kill yourself i got a gun right here and off yourself now the solution to online harassment is simple women should just log off they're screwing up the internet for men by invading every single space we have online and ruining it with attention seeking needy demanding a touchy feeling form of feminism because women belong in the against women in tech. They just suck at interviews. Oh, we don't know how to talk. Would you rather have your child have feminism or cancer? What the fuck does that mean? I really want Steve Bannon to get cancer. Yeah, he looks like he does. Steve, Steve Bannon. Steve, Steve, Steve Bannon. Steve, Steve, Steve Bannon. Steve, Steve, Steve Bannon. World Health Organization report. Tranny's 49 times higher HIV rate. There's that word again. Homophobia is rampant. Did we mention that he's a White House executive? Oh. (laughs) Did we mention he's maybe the second most powerful person in the United States? He's got the code. Misogyny and racism. Racism and transphobia and homophobia. All that stuff. Yeah. Steve Bannon. Steve, Steve, Steve Bannon. Hating ass nigga. Woo! We did it again! <laughs> we do it every week. How do we do it? How does it keep happening? It's so amazing. It's so amazing. We're just, it's, it's incredible. Our mixtape. Every week. It's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. It's going to be re- This week's rap is about Ben Carson. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uh, we've got some, we've got some cushion money rap instrumental beat on the background. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to see what happens. Ben Carson, Uncle Tom, today uh, with Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff. We're here for you. 
Earth. Oh, is it not? I put it in the wrong one. Dang it. There it goes. Now it's going. I put it in the wrong one. Just like. There we go. Oh. Progressives think he was an Uncle Tom. Mm, Uncle Tom. I'm, I'm not sure I agree that there isn't a fair amount of racism here. Not too much racism. What? I said there's not not too much racism. Ain't no racism, boss. There, there is, but not where you'd expect it to be. Nope. It's mostly with the progressive movement who will look at someone like me. Nah, sir. And because of the color of my pigment, they decide there's a certain way that I'm supposed to think. And if I don't think that way, I'm an Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom's boss. Uncle Tom. I'm an Uncle Tom. And they heap all kinds of hatred on me. I'm an Uncle Tom. And they heap all kinds of hatred on you. And to me, that is racism. What? Me boss? No. There's not as much as you'd where you'd expect it to be. There is, but not where you'd expect it to be. And they look at my pigment and they decide there's a certain way I'm supposed to think. And if I don't think that way, I'm an Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. And they heap all kinds of hatred on you. And that, to me, is racism. 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 Uncle Tom. Racism. Uncle Tom. Racism. What if on D-Days our soldiers invading the beaches at Normandy had set their colleagues to be cut down, a hundred bodies laying in the sand, a thousand bodies laying in the sand? What if they had been frightened and turned back? Well, I guarantee you were frightened. I guaranteed you they were frightened, but they didn't turn back. They stepped over the bodies of their colleagues, knowing that in many cases they would never see the homeland of their loved ones again, and they stormed those Axis troops, and they stormed that beach, and they died. Why did they do that? They didn't do that for themselves. They did it for you, and they did it for me, and now it's our turn. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. I'm an Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. I'm an Uncle Tom, and they heap all kinds of hatred on you. I'm an Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom with gifted hands. And they heap all kinds of hatred on you. So that to me is racism. 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 Uh, Uncle Tom. I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nature. Nation. I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that. I forgot I was black. I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I would certainly not agree with that. I forgot I was a nigga. <laughs> Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. And if you know, if and you know, if there's somebody who's of any faith, but they say things, and their life has been consistent with the things that will elevate this nation and make it possible for everybody to succeed and bring peace and harmony, oh, then I'm with that. I'm an Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. I'm an Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Slaves were tourists. Uncle Tom. Slaves were tourists. Slaves were immigrants. Coming over on the boat. Making this world a better place. Obamacare is worse than slavery. Uncle Tom said. I'm an Uncle Tom. On the worst things since slavery. Obamacare is really, I think, the worst thing that has happened in this nation since slavery. I've never been whipped before. Never been whipped before. (laughs) 
All right, we did it again. <laughs> yes. We did it again. Our mixtape. Kush money. It's happening. <laughs> Kush money. Our mixtape's coming out real it soon. Is. We're it's coming hot. Hey, it's Dirty Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff coming at you. Yeah. Coming at you. Some magic from the Funka Trump. doesn't work, she doesn't work. Women who work, passion is what makes us feel most alive. Women who work, women who work, don't buy her book cause it's full of plagiarism. The trump card, first book, nothing in that either. Your age, your background, your education, or your success. We all are granted 168 hours a week. Hours a week. That's math. That's math. math. That's. Is that a 24 hour daytime seven, which equals 168 hours a week? When do you sleep? I got a nanny. When do you sleep? She's got a nanny and a child. Oh. How do you build a world-class team? First, you have to find the right people. Thank you, Captain Obvious, Obvious. Captain Obvious, the Funka Online device. Don't gossip, don't gossip. Gossip about women who work. Trump card. Get the Trump card. Don't buy her first Burke either because she already has too much money. Too much money, don't buy the book to burn it. Go to the library and burn it from there. Burn it all down. We often don't realize that while we're waiting for our lives to begin, they have already. And they're made up of all the decisions we make, big and small, conscious or not. Thank you, Captain Obvious. photos of the kids were taken by my nanny during the day and I'm sure in 10 years 
I'll convince myself I took them. Because I, I take everyone else's work and make it my own. Plagiarism, women who work. <laughs> we did it again. <laughs> All right, everybody. That was that was our that was hot dirty pee and the sheriff we're hopefully gonna have uh, a name for our album and we'll maybe make some more songs and put it out but uh if you liked it tell us go to that donate button at the top of www.mutinyradio.fm and press it say yeah i like it i like it a lot i like hot dirty pee and the sheriff all right everybody uh that was that you're listening to some call me tim if you're actually listening to some call me tim and it's still it keeps playing in the background sorry about that everybody um so here we are on some call me tim my guest didn't make it i also didn't remind him because i was out of town for a while but uh actually i'm live again uh this is some call me tim and i have a guest coming in at three o'clock he's going to be talking about a new project of his uh, but until then we're going to play this old some call me tim that makes me laugh and I hope it makes you laugh too. It's a funny or die thing. And I'm sure you're like, oh, we knew about this way before, like you're so dumb. But we're gonna listen to it because it, it makes me laugh. It's called uh, Zach Morris is Trash. And it's really funny because Zach Morris is trash. Uh, but I used to watch, you know, with, well, this was a little bit past my time period, but I still pay attention to it, and I think it's hilarious, so enjoy. Zach Morris is trash. It's winter break at Bayside. Jesse Slater and Kelly got jobs at the mall. Lisa is volunteering at the hospital, and Zach is sitting on his lazy blonde ass eating cookies. Zach is at the mall, bothering Slater and Jesse at their jobs, when he bumps into a girl. She says she's late for work, which Zach hears is an opportunity to stop her twice and make fun of her for only having an apple for lunch. Screech had an accident with his new doll and cleans up in the bathroom. A nice stranger offers advice on how to dry his pants faster. Zach notices him shaving and tells Screech to check out that homeless dude, then scolds him for looking. The homeless dude says he's lightheaded because he hasn't eaten all day. Zach continues continues to bother him while he shaves, then leaves a whopping $3 behind in a payphone, probably because he didn't want to touch his icky homeless hands. Zach wishes him a Merry Christmas with a smug grin on his face, because $3 will definitely put this guy's life back on track. Zach is roaming the mall, hunting the girl who ran away from him, and bothers Kelly at her job. He finds his target, named Laura, and offers to take her to lunch, because he knows she only has an apple to eat, something he once again goofs on. Laura's considering lunch with Zach, because she's starving, when Zach sees the homeless guy. Zach lets everyone know how great he is for giving him money earlier, but adds he hopes he doesn't spend the $3 on wine or super cheap heroin. Laura says she's lost her appetite. Zach sees Laura in the food court. He apologizes, saying he doesn't know much about the homeless, and adds that in his neighborhood, the poor family is the one that doesn't have cable. Zach asks Laura where she lives. Laura says she lives with her dad. He asks where, and Laura says they're currently moving, and they move around a lot. Zach asks what her dad does, and Laura says her dad is between jobs. Then an emaciated Laura politely asks for a chip before scarfing down a whole bunch of chips. Zach connects none of these dots and makes fun of her for eating so many chips. Zach realizes he can make Laura like him with food, and buys her ice cream, then takes her to Jesse's job and cuts in front of a bunch of kids to take a picture with Santa. Santa asks Laura what she wants for Christmas, and she whispers some deeply disturbing shit in his ear. Zach asks what she said, and before she can begin to say she's not sure she can tell him, Zach hands her a candy cane, more food, to put in her mouth so she can shut up about her problems. Zach's mom shows up, who has the same blonde hair to roots ratio as her son, and mentions the Christmas play she's putting on at the mall. Laura wants to be in the play, but is hesitant about asking for time off at her job on her first day. Zach tells her not to worry about it, and it's no big deal. Then, as she walks 
walks away, makes a really creepy comment to his mom that he finally knows what he wants for Christmas. Gross. Slater is struggling with his job wrapping presents when the friendly homeless man helps him. He asks for some of the scraps Slater throws away. Slater generously gives him a whole roll and some ribbon. The homeless man staggers away, takes two steps, and collapses. Because apparently $3 with a side of wrapping paper isn't part of a complete breakfast. Laura asks her boss to be in the play. He says no, because it's the busiest time of year. Laura is upset because Zach got her hopes up. Zach mentions that homeless guy from before passed out and is at the hospital. But who cares, because they need to get to the hospital to help Lisa donate gifts to kids. They give gifts to the kids, then sing their way over to that homeless guy who almost died. They visit him in full costume. Zach takes off his Santa beard out of respect. Zach sees Laura and, still unable to connect these huge dots, asks why she's there. He's her dad, you dingus. To be continued. Right now, Laura's dad, Frank, said he passed out from hunger. Zach gives him some of his stale leftover cookies. He invites him to his house for dinner, because now he knows he can get this hot homeless girl to hang out with him using food. He feeds Laura until she can't eat anymore, then tells her the weight she put on in the last hour looks great. Zach's mom thanks them for coming over, and says she appreciates having guests that are different than usual. Zach clarifies she means they're not used to guests with big appetites who live at the mall. Then Zach asks the fun and super polite question, so how did you become homeless? The computer plant Frank worked at went out of business, and he's had trouble finding work ever since, especially since he doesn't have nice clothes for job interviews. Zach uncomfortably looks at the floor and says nothing after starting this difficult conversation. Zach begrudgingly helps his mom set up for the play and complains the entire time in a hideous sweater. Zach sees Laura rushing to work and stops her to once again use food to make her like him. Laura sees a jacket at the store she wants to buy for her dad to wear to job interviews. She asks for an advance on her paycheck. Her boss says no. Zach shows up to interrupt Laura at her job, again, in an outfit that's still not as dumb as that sweater. He convinces Mr. Moody to let Laura be in the play by promising to double his business with a mysterious whisper deal. Kelly puts the jacket aside and says she's going to buy it later as a surprise. The play is okay. It's fine. Or whatever. Who cares? And Laura learns her lines even though she just found out she was in the play 10 seconds ago. But Zach takes his mother's nice play about the meaning of Christmas and turns it into a big commercial for Mr. Moody's department store. Where are these clothes from? For the well-dressed miser, the only place you shop is... Moody's store for men. But I guess if you're seeing free theater in a mall, you get what you pay for. Mr. Moody sees the missing coat and assumes Laura stole it because she's homeless. He threatens to call the cops and she runs her hungry ass away. The gang splits up to find Laura and Frank and they finally leave the mall for the first time in nine days. Zack and his mom find them in a car outside of a Christmas tree lot and invite them into their home. Mr. Moody gives Laura the jacket as an apology. And Zack's parents offer to let them live at their house until they're back on their feet. Laura says she doesn't know how to thank them. Zack suggests sexual favors. It's a Christmas miracle. Laura and her dad have a place to stay until Frank gets a job. Only we never see them ever again because they probably fucking killed themselves or starved to death. Merry fucking Christmas. Let's review. Zach Morris harassed a stranger at the mall and made her feel bad about her lunch. Made a bathroom spectacle out of a homeless man minding his business, then thought $3 would change his life. And felt great about giving him the $3 even though he was pretty sure he'd spend it on drugs. Used food to get a hungry girl to spend time with him. Cut in front of all these kids waiting to take a picture with Santa. And when that homeless guy passed out, he thought it would be fun to visit him dressed as Santa Claus. Then invited the homeless man to his parents' nice house to comment on his daughter's weight and make him talk about why he became homeless. Turned his mother's Christmas play into a department store commercial. And told this homeless girl she should hook up with him because of his parents' generous invitation and because she has nowhere else to live now. Ho, ho, holy shit. Zach Morris is trash. Zach Morris is trash. All right, welcome back to Some Call Me Tim. That was uh, some uh, old stuff. We actually have um, a guest in studio today. I'm really excited. We have Adam Rob Scott in the house, in the hizzy, here to talk about his new... Uh, you have a new album coming out, and you have a, a big uh, upcoming show? Yes, uh, thanks for having me, Pam. My name's Rob Adam Jackson. Oh, Rob Adam. Wait, what? why is your Facebook name different? 
Uh, I'm not sure what it says in Facebook. Um, but anyway, okay. thank you so much for having yeah. me down. Uh, this is my second time in Mutiny, and I'm a big fan of you guys. So awesome. it's awesome to be here. Yeah, you're... Oh, Jackson, why would I... That's so funny. I don't know why I just completely read a different name for you. No sweat. Like in my head, I just remembered it completely different. You talk to a lot different. of people. It's yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of people. Uh, but yeah, you have, you have an upcoming show coming up this summer in... Uh, Next month, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I could talk a little bit about that if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a bunch of things going on. I was uh, sometimes these shows pop up kind of last minute. So the the next one on my calendar is July 14th at Dada Bar, San Francisco. Where where, where um, is that? I've never heard of that, and that's a great name for a bar because Dada it? is it's one of my cool. favorite movements. Uh, that, yeah, we should probably the, give the crowd a little background on that. But 65 Post Street is the location. Oh, so it's Tenderloin. Yeah. Cool. Much. Yep, and as my my impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Dada movement was kind of a spinoff of theater and Japanese influence and interaction. That's that's kind of my reference points. What do you what are well, your it, it was the it? it was the precursor to surrealism, and uh, Ubu Roy was the was a play that was specifically Dadaist, and they like didn't use certain vowels it was almost oh. like they played around with the context of language and, and cool. it sort of became that french surrealistic movement later with poetry where they really messed with words and had like uh kin kinyo or something there were all these word games where they take the same gotcha. thing and then write it all these different ways was it like the know. 1950s or early earlier 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 yeah okay. dadaism was like 22 through oh. maybe like wow. 35 cool cool came okay about. nice um so anyway, um, B.B. Hayes came out with a new album called Stereophonic. I want to plug him real quick because he's the guy who invited me into the Dada show. And he's a DJ in the area, a very successful guy. And so he, he tagged me. He knows I'm an artist. I'm a visual artist and a kind of a what we call a naive musician because I'm not classically trained. A naive? So that's what they call untrained musicians a naive musician that's not fair I guess it's a technical term yeah um, so it basically means you don't have any classical training but you're musical yeah but so what just, do you play uh, pretty much anything I, I I would say my strength's percussion mm. but I play the piano I play the guitar cool and you self-taught though that's amazing what's that self-taught yeah well self-not taught uh, meaning I just kind of improvise. I fill the music, I, I fill the instrument, and I get the best I can out of it, and so then you I don't go read, on to the next instrument. You don't read tab or anything? No, I don't read You don't music. read any? I, you could play a note and ask me what it is, and I'd be like, I don't know what that is. Wow. But when I do my recording and do my editing, and then I give it to people, a lot of times I get comments like they're, they think I'm classically trained as a composer. Interesting. And they tell me, oh, wow, this sounds like, and they reference a bunch of people from like the 18th century or whatever. Sure. But anyway, uh, I get lucky sometimes. I call it getting lucky. I get hooks and little things, and then I edit, and I take all the train wrecks out so the audience never hears any of that. That's why I can't play live. Oh, I was just really going to ask, what happens when you play artist. live? I'm a recording artist. Oh. And so, I mean, I can get away with like percussion and support different things for little periods of time, but I So I how does do this live. show go on the 14th? You just, it's well, a the, sound the installation? The show on the 14th at uh, the Dada Bar in San Francisco is more of a visual art highlight. Oh. And he says it's open. We're actually looking for more visual artists. It's going to be a monthly type of thing. So it's a pretty cool opportunity. I'm putting myself and two other friends of mine in the show. One of them is a roommate of mine, um, Alan, and he makes little robots and light 
things and it's going to be a really cool, cool display that he has worked out um and then i'm going to do a play on words with um you know like i did a poster that 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 uses the word fuck as kind of the basics am i allowed to say that on the radio yeah, maybe maybe i'm okay huh no 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 we so. don't we have no we're, we're internet based only so cool although we stream stream live on the internet the fcc doesn't come into that cool, yet so cool so um i play on words like it's like fuck you fuck no fuck yes fucking a and some other thing so it's it's like a, a very nice visual it's it's uh, hard to talk about i guess on well, the radio, so is but. it is it more like typography or is it pictorial is it paint is it, it it's it's gonna be evolving actually because it started out with with just pencil so it was and then it's gonna be a paint and then i'm gonna go into to the computer and do stuff to it and so you don't layered, even know what it's right. gonna be you know it's, it's so it starts with a bunch so of your, things is all your process the same do you always start with pencil and then add to it usually yeah except huh. for if i'm doing like i i really got into jackson pollock after i got introduced to him and i i like throwing paint and that sort of thing so those i don't sure. do any anything i just kind of start throwing stuff but uh it, it depends Were on you, what kind are of you trained artist at all did you go to school for art or no but it? i'll tell you my first experience with uh, how i became an artist um uh, it was third grade I mean, I'm sure I did stuff before then, but this one sticks out in my mind. It's third grade, and my teacher, she's real rude. You know, we all have, like, teachers that are do you remember her name? sometimes, right? You so do you remember her name? She traumatized me a little bit. Uh, Mrs. Dodson. Yes. Mrs. Dodson. Yes, God bless her. I'm sure she's up there somewhere. Sure. But anyway, she's uh, brought in a special art teacher, and, and they gave very specific instructions. They wanted us all to do the exact same thing. But that's not art. They wanted us to do our thumbprint and framed them and have all our thumbprints all across and they were very specific no color huh. so what did i do i used color i drew little sunglasses and little arms and little legs oh funny and i was i was actually ridiculed like she tried to humiliate me for not being able to follow directions and she made it a big deal Ms. i was Dodgson. like kicked out and i think i was thrown into the special kids you know the, how they used to separate the special kids and they put them in the classes separate from sure. it wasn't mainstream back then right so so i had to go through about a week of that from an art project you know what was interesting though it was it gave me empathy for those guys because they were set we not, i didn't even really have much contact with that community right and then i was like i became the helper uh, you know that the, the, the therapist at the time there was like oh this guy's kind of together yeah like, he's so typically she, he's she gave typically me assistant, developing but, you know yeah. i had a had an assistant um role there so i was like helping and then she talked to the teachers like you know he he's actually nothing really he's defiant towards you but there's nothing i really don't see anything the, the words they use now are typically developing versus atypically developing so they, okay. they would say he's a typically developing child he's there you go he's in yeah, third exactly. grade Good words, good right. words. Like, I like that. There's nothing. That plus, in art, she pulls you out of an art class for being too creative. That is yeah, so cunty. Yeah. That is like the worst. She just didn't like you. Did she not like yeah. your parents, or was it well, just Well, she you? liked my brother. My brother was um, the A student, was the he hard older? worker. He's he did, three years older. He oh. did really well. I was the one that was kind of disinterested in school. But and third grade, like, it's third creative grade. Creative and daydream and do different things you know i was right. bored i was basically bored sure but um what happened uh in the end you know my my early education was a little rough but but later i, I caught up so I, in other words i went through my master's program i sailed through that and i went to a phd program in and what? ironically in what? i dropped out of the phd program in, in what what discipline um mostly behavioral sciences um i i focused on 
Homeland Security of all things. You got a PhD in Homeland um, Security? Well, I dropped out because I was surrounded by idiots. But um, the, the deal was, um, you know, public policy and administration. I've had this fantasy about, okay, get in there, make good things happen, correct the messed up part of the system and make my contributions that way. Sure. But I found myself surrounded by people, unfortunately, that were, you know, pretty conditioned on a certain kind of by a certain way of thinking and the textbooks were the worst textbooks I've ever seen uh, really bad quality stuff so this is like for structuring a city or for dealing with Homeland Security Homeland Security um, uh, they're talking about physical technical safeguards uh, procedures and processes for emergency procedures like if you have a natural disaster or something the FEMA gets involved and the Homeland Security is involved with you know all of that coordinating those things putting you on buses and taking you to camps it's pretty scary stuff do you work so do you still work with homeland security no no but Thank i do god I do i'm work, like don't tell them about this place and when i looked into it actually there you know for policing i'm a, I'm a little bit older now you know and, and i'm uh, i'm not trained in uh, military there's certain things they're kind of looking for and to be honest i don't think i fit the profile of what they're looking for sure so eventually you know i i've been in uh what we call economic security uh workforce development that sort of area of the government for a long time so that's my sort of one of my specialties i do a lot of different things um i'm working on a book but that's after i have to do this research because i'm going to do the research anyway uh which is quite interesting because it was censored and that's one of the reasons i left that PhD program. Wow. But before I go too deep into the academics. I know, I'm, we got plenty of time. Can, can, I'm like can really I talk interested. about, yeah, 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 talk uh, about anything art, music, and philosophy for a second? Hell yeah. And then we can go back yeah, to Yeah, because Homeland Security, I'm sorry, stuff. is boring. I'm yeah, like, yeah. The I'm, nerdy stuff, we'll, we'll leave it. Um, but but the, uh, the show, back to the show, July 14th, I really want everybody to come out because uh, I just think it's a cool spot and and B.B. Uh, Hayes is awesome. You guys should pick up his album too, by the way. He's it doing... Uh, delicious EDM for those people that like uh, dance music check it out Stereophonic is the name of his new album uh, release and that's on Spotify uh, Christopher Zuniga uh, for, forgive me if I mispronounce is it Zuniga or something I can't pronounce that very well Shiva Tiffany I know her she's a pretty popular um, DJ in the community uh, is also going to be there and we'll, we'll have other visual artists so that's again that's july 14th at dada bar in san francisco 65 post please come out and support that what what times it start um i believe it's going to be like around nine. Oh wow yeah, late night late yeah it cool. runs late till two um and i think pal magazine and you know dennis gonzalez those guys uh, he does gathering of the tribes i'm pretty sure he says he's he's down to to you know be there support be supportive um so we're kind of talking about that i've been in one of his shows before and i'm going to be managing his um, art market over uh at the gathering of the tribes come i think it's september october we're still nailing down the exacts on that uh, and we'll have a lineup shortly so that's going to be a pretty cool festival. Are your are your fuck pieces sellable? Are they like something are my that, pieces? Yeah, uh, I do all kinds of art, um, and some of it's commercial art. Some of it's more expressive art, or um, making a protest or, or statement with the piece, political art. Uh, but a lot of it is um, pleasing and and just aesthetically. Uh, uh, you know, I, I consider like I have two or three different lines of art. I call them. I have one that's like museum 
series and that's what I think should like go to the local places and be archived and then I have um, pieces that I give away you <laughs> know I do very quickly kind of a, huh. a tribute to um, Basquiat uh, people who, who have done uh, replicating pieces of art there, there's a, a famous guy escapes my name Warhol uh, Warhol yeah and he, he just did a process and a system so I'm, I'm doing other people that. did his art that was yeah. fun because he did so much screen printing toward the end true that true. he even had his like lackeys and his, his little boyfriends his yeah, helper right. his helper bees <laughs> right. and then they'd make it and he'd just sign it oh that's funny yeah, yeah kind of like yeah. a William Shakespeare of, of art that's sure. pretty cool um, so I'm doing those things and then I'm designing a, a t-shirt line too which which I have up on my website um, if you guys want to look for it you can google rip star r-i-p-s-t-a-r and I'm like one of the big ones that come up right away. And you have a regular job too? Do you do you take yeah, meth you know, or do you I, take I'm older cocaine? And I used like, to be I used to be like are you hyper, staying alive? like like when I was between like 14 and like 30, I just worked my ass off and very you know very rarely slept. And so I produced most of my work during those years. And now I get the fruit of that and I'm editing most of it now for like the last several years is editing, just catching up to myself. I've written over 2000 pages of stuff I still have to edit, which is the book thing, right? And that's supposed to be my retirement project, but I'm ahead of schedule. Oh my God. So, Ripstar um, Equilibrium Institute. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, music. it started with this vision of wanting to better the world, right? Kind of was pretty simple. It's like I had a kind of a rough childhood. I said, well, can I do to make this better? Uh, you know, I studied people like Gandhi and King and all these people and got influenced. And I, I got turned on to nonviolence. I worked with uh, Keith McHenry, the Food Not Bombs people, Diamond Dave, all these people, Earth First, all those guys, AIM, American Indian Movement. I worked in all these little circuits and then I hung out a lot with the Native Americans like the, the Sioux. I was adopted into that um, group actually at one point when I wasn't, uh, I, I guess I should say I chose to exit uh, the Western world for a short period of time and and I got indoctrinated kind of you know I got welcomed into this how old community. are you but you can't you don't look more than I'm, 40 I'm 45 oh my god yeah, 45 so they taught me a few things how to sing a little how to you know lose some of my uh, conditioning of the West especially around concepts like ownership and love and you know possessiveness and things like that so they, they challenged me in good ways um, so all of that and then I became very academic trying to better myself and expand my knowledge you know after I traveled the world a little bit so I've got quite a lot of experience and now I'm just trying to make sense of it and in a historical sense understand where we've come as a as a place you know as a people a melting pot of people that came to this United States of America we call it and my biggest criticism and this is part of the philosophy talk yeah yeah I is philosophy. that um, you know it was it life liberty the pursuit of happiness you remember that's from one of those mm -hmm. documents the constitution constitution bill of rights yeah, one of these things sure. so really where they made the mistake was the happiness piece and that might sound strange to say but happiness in my view is a fleeting concept it's a kind of a peak emotional experience what we're really supposed to be focused on in my view is life liberty and harmony as soon as you make that shift to harmony 
you understand the relationships, you start looking at relationships between things, the consequences of your actions, we, well, and, and interreliance and interdependence. Happiness is a selfish act, and right. and harmony means that it's outside of yourself. And I think that America is based on happiness, and that's why we're all entitled little fucking snowflakes who don't care about other people and don't care about community and are all really insular. And the new thing with the screens and everyone's looking at their screens, but that's about them. It's like. We we are the, whether you agree with it or not. America is based on happiness, and that's the main problem. Right, and it's it's this isolationist, yeah, divisionist I, yeah. attitude, absolutely that that creates a lot of uh, uh, these superiority myths and ideas that divide us. So right. if we that's can exactly c- combat that by by getting into this concept, and it was Willie Whitefeather. Uh, I don't know if the crowd knows who he is, but a Native American. I ran into him in Arizona when I lived there briefly. And I started reading his stuff, and he, he kind of seemed at the time, like, because I was pretty academic, he kind of seemed like, I'm not sure if this guy is mathematical or, or just making this stuff up or, like, what what it was, if he was an expert. But it made sense, and, and he had uh, instilled in me this, this concentration to look at this concept, this harmony concept. Um, so regardless of whether he was kind of exaggerating things or, or what, uh, because he spoke about coordinates very specific things he would say if you blow up a bomb on this side of the planet at this angle at this time an equal reaction will happen somewhere else well, i believe a, that i believe yeah. that i think that's why the the fijian tsunami i think that that could have been started by the underground testing two months previous by previous by pakistan and mm-hmm. india they were doing underground um, nuke testing mm. and then surprisingly two months later there's a huge tsunami it's like wouldn't that make sense that yeah. the Earth's plates would move and then it would cause something else to happen right. and then that would, like, yeah. action, reaction? But I'm not a scientist. So when I think about things like that philosophically and say, well, why aren't we even looking at that? I, I mean, it's just because we're not thinking about anybody. We, we live on a world, on Earth. It's not that big. And very what true. we do affects... You know, everyone else. And, and our overconsumption as Americans affects everyone else. It affects the people in Indonesia and Bangladesh right. and their economies. And yet we're just like, I want a new pair of jeans. Right, so. right. And if we were concentrated on, on uh, concepts, like if we took the concept of success and we gave it a different sort of twist and a definition to go, oh, success is how many people would attend your funeral when you die <laughs> because you're such a loved person. Mm-hmm. You know, your success is uh, how fortunate you can be to share things with other people. Mm-hmm. Your success is how much love you can give to others or whatever. You know, If we define these things differently and we set them as goals as a culture, then we see the positive shifts we want to make. It's easy to sit in a chair like I've done for many years and criticize wh- where we've gone wrong and look at the evidence. Go, homelessness, the numbers are going through the roof and look and blah 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 is responsible for healthcare crisis and the bubble busting on the on the uh, real estate market sure. and how people are getting screwed bailing left and out right the, bailing out the corporations as opposed you know, to the you know it's easy people. to point to where all yeah. the problems are it's a little bit more challenging to get five people in a room and come to some agreements and why is that it's it's we don't have the infrastructure in my view or their cultural training most of us not some of us might but most of us don't have that a community understanding and commitment and resources. I think, I think to, the word is empathy. Empathy is a big one because yeah. they. If we had more empathy, we would uh, things would be a lot different. But we're somehow because we're selfish and insular. And uh, what's the what's the thing when we're 
not nationalism isn't the word I'm looking for, but it's isolationism, like what we did, what we've done in the past as a as a country or whatever. But as people, I feel like we are so isolationist, and the only thing that can really save us is um, art and literature. Because if you can read a story and understand someone's perspective from a narrator. Like you can read a story about a person of a different race or a person who's a serial killer or a person who's a mother, or a person, but you can understand that and the ability to do that, I think comes from critical thought and from empathy, but we've cold, it's like what you said in everyone was stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know, <laughs> but it's because we've cold critical thought. And if we don't want people to critically think anymore, we want them to, be sheep that buy things that buy and so we we've called empathy and critical thought out in for capitalism and now we're like the world's falling apart what's going on there's are having race wars in the united states and it's right. like if we had any measure of empathy for one another yeah no, this wouldn't you're, be you're touching on a really strong subject and and i have a, a built into my models of you know, anal analysis on our culture. Uh, and by the way, my, my major uh, area of focus for study is toxic toxins, toxic waste, and, and, and our attitudes <gasps> towards those things. So, um, like the, the great Pacific the patch <laughs> empathy, I believe is a biological and sociological concept. It's influenced by both. So we have, um, conditioning that leads us to sort of have biases about where we should be empathetic and where we shouldn't. And then we have biological aptitudes. So some people could be certain types of personalities, for example, just to give generic things like you could be a social personality or entrepreneur or whatever from all these, you know, theories of psychology. But, um, my personal experiences that some people do have greater degrees of empathy mm. and and that's those are more like the social personality people that have the dominant trait there and i i don't know that uh, research has been done but i suspect it's a very small number of people in society that have this trait the strong dominant trait and that the leaders unfortunately the people who empower a lot of the people mm. currently are are not scoring very high in the <laughs> empathy and we see right. that in the policy we see how it's executed like well, for example the what happened today. immigration the migrants right you know to me that's kidnapping and torture mm -hmm. and the the slowly you're seeing a cultural uh rising up even among conservatives and christian you know people of, of certain persuasions are starting to get on board with hey this this isn't right this we have to fix this this is not good it doesn't not only does it not look good to the rest of the world yeah. it's um it, in our name you know we're paying for this our taxes are so we're directly tied to this action uh, of this uh, i would say uh, lack of empathy you know this this monster kind of character children putting like, children oh, in oh, jail we're going to we're going to send a message to the world and, and i just have to say you're an asshole mr trump because uh you're not sending any message other than that that, that right. you're you're wrong and that you're you're being um aggressively hostile to children wounding them giving them trauma for life yeah. uh and it's not the kind of uh 
method to to make the action that you're you're trying to accomplish. I mean, you could simply detain them as a family. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you're going to try to really be rigorous about this 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 line in the sand about where people can go and where they can't. But let's remind everybody, we're all immigrants. We're all from space, by it's, the exactly way. Exactly. And we're, we're fucking from the Big Bang. But so w- what is this deal? And in the rest of Europe, sorry to interrupt. No, you. no, he's an immigrant too. His parents came over from Germany and like the right. and I mean, when is it when is it okay to be an immigrant? So if you came here before 1950, you're okay. Unless you're Chinese. Because you can't, no, 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 you know. As long as you were here before the turn of the century. Uh, unless you were black. or You know, it's like we've got all these. Layers and layers of layers and layers and of, bias. And, and then, so unfairness. what if you came in 1972? Is that not, that's 40, 40 some odd years ago. But is that is that American enough? Like, what yeah, is it? Well, which so immigrant is for okay? For me, we're creating wars over greed. And then people are trying to escape where they are. Yeah. And they're going somewhere else. And you're creating, you're moving what I don't want to say the problem, but you're moving people as a result of your mismanagement of the planet. And then you're complaining about it when they knock on your door. Right, exactly. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways. You know, why don't you focus on uh, sustainable living and interdependence and cooperation and love and compassion around the world? Get away from this little dictatorship of, you know, a handful of bankers sitting in a meeting telling people, you know, this is the way the world's going to be. And then propping it up so that you look like you have a government, you look like you have a democracy and trying to fool everybody. Sure. You know, when are we going to get away from trying to control and dominate people and rape the earth and figure out how to really get to maximizing the experience of being a human being? Exactly. Living life full of life well, and having and, a good time. And why are some human beings, it's the old line, you know, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. That The old Orwell line from Animal Farm. But it's why are, why do, with our entitlement, we think that we're better than other people. Somehow, somehow we'll, in India, you know, when people are sleeping on the street, you have to walk over people and they live on, you know, you know, a dollar fifty a day. Why do we think that's okay? Why is it that, why is it that we're okay with people living in checks? Why is it okay that in the richest city here in San Francisco, we just walk over homeless people all the time and go, well, nothing I can do about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard I heard a story once. You know, people that were really fanatically about, oh, well, we're going to go into the Amazon and save the Indians. You know, we're we're going to teach them uh, education and and religion and uh, take them away from from their barbaric living. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, they're they're in paradise. They figured out how to live off the earth. They know the plants around them. They know how to live with the animals and the bugs and the spiders. And they know a lot about that shit. Yeah. And you're going to sit and say, you're going to go and develop and bring these people to another state. When people talk about, oh, I want to go to San Francisco. Wait, you know, it's the most, one of the most expensive places in the world. And it's uh, outrageous, you know, to live here. It's it's a challenge to pay your rent, and you know, unless you're born into wealth and have a lot of money, you know, own a house or something. But it, it's it's um, it's not as ideal as people like to think that that it is. is well, is my and take on and it. there's a thing like, so I, I've been living in the city for going on 11 years, and I live on, I basically make exactly my rent every month. That's how much money I make. So I have food stamps and stuff to survive and be an artist. Uh, so it is doable. But yes. you either have to be, you just have to change your wants and your needs and make them 
you know, closer. And and the thing is, I still feel like a rich person. I, I mean, cool. I have a tiny apartment, but I pretend that I'm like, well, if it was a boat, it would be an enormous boat. Nice. And so like I, but I sail across San Francisco on the fourth floor with my lovely view and it has a great sunset stuff. But it's, you know, people, I come from a very wealthy family and they came to visit me once and they were like, you're two steps away from being homeless. And I was like, Bleh. but at this point I can't imagine again, wanting to buy a house or even how much, I mean, I had a 1,500 square foot house and I thought it was small. And now I'm like, Oh my God, how did I clean? How did I keep that thing clean? I'm <laughs> right. in a 400 square foot apartment. And I'm like, there's no way I could have any bigger. And in my building, there's families that live in the same size apartment as me. So that's like, could you imagine? I'm like, I'm trying to imagine like if I had me and a dude and a, and a cat and two children, like what? But people do that. And so it's just like, it's changing your wants and your needs and making sure that they're like more in line with one another instead of just, because I feel like as Americans, we want too much. Why do we have people that, how, do, how could you possibly spend more than a million dollars a year? How could anybody make more than, how would anybody think that they need more than that? That It completely just blows my mind. Yeah. Hoarders, yeah, that's just, true. How, how much money do you need? Like, what are you doing with your money? I yeah, just, they, in fact, I think they should be investing, uh, again, if we could shift that, that idea of success and they could appreciate, and some people do, I mean, there's some people that give a lot to the community uh, with the resources that they make. Uh, do you think, Pam, that we could play one of yeah, the tracks? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Number 15. I want to share I want to share Like It here with the crowd. I'm working on an album called Aftermath. Suffocating fumes you made With no last breath Dust to dust, ashes to ash, the future comes to pass. Being in what you made, consumed by the shadow of your doom, return to the world. Return, return to the womb 
return, return, return to the womb. All right. That was Rob yeah, hope Adam Jackson. Like what what was that called? Uh, like it here. It was written for a Brazilian love that I have, and oh. uh, there's a lot going on in there. I, I was just expressing that I got this new M1 Korg. It's very happy. It came over from Germany. I got a good deal on it. M1 Korg. Yeah, M1. Is it's that made by Korg? Oh, oh, Korg. Oh, yeah. like a like a Moogie machine. Yeah, it's it's a, a synthesizer. Synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. And it's awesome. So it makes a lot of noise. Push a few keys, and and that came out. There's a um, they have a, there's this cute little keyboard for kids right now, and it's, it looks like a cat face. And one of the things it does is meow. And so when you press the the ki- the piano keys, it's like meow 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 meow. It's really funny. Nice, nice. I like those. I should probably things. make a song like that. Yeah, meowing. <laughs> well, for all your cat fans out there. Yeah, right. So we, we were doing we, philosophy. We were talking about philosophy. We should tell everybody again to go see the big art show. Yeah, there's EMD a few of them. Uh, the next June one is 14th. the July 14th. J- July 14th. And then the following one is September 14th. That's uh, a festival I put together. It's called Candy Extreme. And I, I got to tell you a little story about winters, right? So, so the story, and, and I don't know if it is true or not. Winters. Uh, do you know city? Winters Tavern? Oh, Winters Tavern. I don't yeah, over know. Over in Pacifica. Uh, no, I don't ever go to Pacifica. Okay. But. So there were these Vikings, right? And they were sailing in the sea, and then they had this shipwreck. You know those rocks out by Ocean Beach? Mm-hmm. So they hit the rocks, and the boat fell apart. And the story is they met some locals, you know, the natives, and they said, oh, you know, there's a boat maker down the street. You just have to, you know, take your boat over there. So they carried the boat, the little pieces and everything, and they went and marched for days and you know, met up with some, uh, you know, the, the boat maker guy. And he goes, okay, well, you know, we have to have a ceremony if we're going to get you back in the sea and send you on your way. So we have to dance and celebrate and uh, share these spirits and things. So what you know, ended up happening was they had so much fun that they, they built something. Huh. And what they built was Winter's Tavern. Uh-huh. And so that's why when you go there, you see all these really, really tall people. Those are the Vikings, the descendants of these Vikings, the really big dudes that hang out there. Wow. And they're all so happy. Like when I go there, I swear I get kissed, I get hugged. I mean, it's like, I don't know what's going on, but people are happy there and they like to dance. And And I think that they just never stopped. I think they've just been dancing since those days. So anytime, anytime I go in there, have a good time. And uh, the guy who runs it, his name's Jay. He's awesome. Uh, there's a jukebox in there. It's really fun. The local beers are good. Uh, Caesar is one of the guys that uh, runs the place. And uh, Krista. Krista's awesome. So Sweet. those guys, go, go visit Winter's them. Winter's Tavern. You know, tell them I said hi. Is, is it the tavern built out of the original ship? Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, so instead and, of making a new ship, they just b- took the ship and built a house and yeah, then made a new ship. Stay and hang That's out. rad. Yeah. So September 14th, we have 29 Tomorrows. That's Robert Keller's project. It's a new project. That guy's been around. He's really cool. Uh, Spider Garage is from Oakland. And I listen to their stuff. And I don't know if you heard about them, but Indie Rock. And it's really killer. I I was stoked. I didn't even know who they were. 
and when he turned me on to him, I'm like, oh my God. So they're, they're gonna come, 880 is headlining, which is great, because they do shows all the time. They support a lot of local uh, bands, and they deserve the headline spot. So that's that's what's happening with them. Homebrew is from Santa Cruz, and they're really good, and they're coming. They're bringing uh, uh, screaming dancers and some other people with them. And uh, Lich, I don't know, these guys are gonna kill me because I can't even pronounce their name, but it's Lich Dome or Lich Dome. Uh, it's a metal band Ooh. and I listened to them and I was like, okay, this is really good. It's more on the death metal side of things, heavier uh, sound, but really tight. So they're, they're coming uh, and they're in line to headline. They, there's a line of how the structures work, but basically the headline makes the money. So now the bands are getting excited because it's, you know, I'm building these big festivals. So this is like a pretty big show, like eight or nine bands. Right. And so that headliner walks out with a pretty good chunk of change. And then the bands that are pushing, that I see that are helping and promoting and, you know, aggressively, uh, you know, following the direction and making this a success, those guys get to be the next headliners and oh, make the money. Oh, that's, so that's an interesting... That's my way of trying to fix the problem that sure, I'm seeing, because sure. I do see a problem actually happening. And A um, band's just not getting paid. Every, every, well, it's the problem is sometimes bands think that their job is just to make the music mm. and show up mm -hmm. and they want society to support them and give them the $300 and let them go away. Right. And that would be great if we had those kinds of resources, but in the environments that I'm in in California, it's so competitive that our system's different than other states. Other states do that. They pay the bands. They don't care about how many people you bring. Really? But here, we're so competitive and there's so many bands here that it's almost it, it's almost like LA, which is kind of a pay-to-play environment where it's like, mm. oh, you want to be on this bill? You give me 200 bucks and people are exploiting <gasps> the shit out of these artists. And they get burned here too. They do battle of the bands and sometimes they get a little prize, but sometimes they don't and they're getting ripped off at the door left and right. So I understand the band's perspective because I'm also a musician, but I, I understand the venue's perspective, which is we're gonna give you a Saturday night or a Friday night's a big night. Without the bands, we could have 100 people here. With the bands, you might send our 100 people away oh, unless exactly. you bring the 100 people. You exactly. Know, so so yeah. we kind of have to balance the business and the music environment. So um, my way of handling that is to try to get the best quality acts that I can sure. and build around them and give opportunities to those that are shining, even if they don't have a much of a fan base yet, because they've got to grow. they got to sure. get exposure to be seen, right? So I balanced that act. Um, so we have a lot of really good bands coming. Uh, Trez Machine's been in the scene a long time. They're gonna close out the night. We have a few uh, solo acts. Uh, Mike Glendinning and uh, Lucky Dog's gonna be there. Um, so this is a really diverse show, rock, uh, folk happening, uh, heavier stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, we might even have more folk at the beginning, maybe blues act. I was thinking about maybe bluegrass too earlier in the day. So it's going to wow. Be so like you're all hours. on the spectrum. You're yeah. all over the spectrum. Thanks. And what's with um, the 14th? Just happens to be on the July 14th and September 14th. Or is the 14th a special it's, number for you? It's just the way things happen. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I was wondering if it was like 14th. Random things happen this Always way. Always do it on the 14th. 
And then I think I'll take the winter off to start writing the book, uh, finish the album. I'm working on this album called Aftermath. Mm. I think it's my final album. I need a producer. I have, sometimes I get producers, but it's kind of hard to keep them unless I'm selling, like licensing and able to start turning around, you know, share the, the wealth, right? Right. So I'm at a point now where I have maybe a handful, four or five, that are totally polished, professionally produced tracks, yeah. which is nothing on Aftermath. It's, it's the earlier stuff that's the polished stuff. But the, um, the goal being, if I can license a few things, then I can start hiring the people because I've got a lot of talent. A lot of people help me, a lot of bands and friends of mine and sure. other people um, mixing and doing things. Uh, so so that's where I'm at. It's um, I, I've got tons of people tuning in. I mean, I, I think my, the last time I looked at numbers, we were in the hundreds a month visiting these different sites and whatnot. Um, and over a million people throughout the length of the entire program that I have. So we've reached quite a lot of people, and now it's a matter of figuring out how to get into that market. If we're going to get in, you know, which which thing's going to work? Is it going to be the music? Is it going to be the visual art? I'm going to do a runway with the T-shirts and see if people react to that. Right. You know, just trying to fill it out. I don't I don't see the T-shirts on your website. Yeah, it's a little bit difficult, but when you're on the homepage, there's a lot of links. Oh. Uh, and you just scroll down, you see the different summaries of different projects I and see. statuses. T-shirts, shirts, stickers, posters. Yeah, there's all kinds of links there. T-Public. Um, but Backline is the name lines. of the line, and it's hosted on a third party. There's all these third party sites out these days where you can just go in and put art and then people can go in and choose their products. The problem with that, it's good in a way to get your sample products out. But the problem, like in this case, um, the company would charge like 20 bucks for the shirt. And as an artist, uh, the artist would get like $2. So they're doing the printing, the mailing and managing all the right. logistics. And that's cool. And I don't have any costs. You know, I mean, my costs are built into the I only get $2. <laughs> right, 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 so right. They're making money. Uh, that was the same way on, on my on my first book I had. I went through a publisher uh, and I made 50 cents a book. And then the second time I was like, for my second book, I was like, I'm going to self-publish because I made six fifty a book. There I mean, they, So they sold them for 10 and I'd make 50 cents or I'd sell them for 10 and make six fifty. So I'm like, and now it's, now everything has changed in that. In the early thousands, self-publishing was kind of a vanity project and a no-no. And people were like, uh, oh, you're self-published? I'm sorry, right, that was like really rude of that to go. <laughs> right, like you're nobody and you did it yourself. And now people are like, yeah, of course. Like it's it's no longer, the stigma isn't there any longer. Like yeah, yeah, it was yeah. in the early thousands with right. with getting, with having someone say like being published yeah. underneath a publishing company, et cetera. But the one bon bonus is like you said, they do all the work. So I didn't have to worry about selling them mm -hmm. as hard it's like i i wasn't i showed up they'd say okay be here and do a reading and it was like it was easier than like trying to book yourself for readings calling right. places like hey will you have me and my book come out yeah i have mixed feelings about it myself because i've been a publisher you know for like 20 years and i um am just now getting to the point where labels are starting to contact me and i had um couple of run-ins some of them positive some of them negative but the positive ones um don lichterman over at sunset publishing is at least telling me that he's willing to review all 100 songs you know oh. my, my entire project he's going to review it he he kind of indicated he might be interested in trying to lock it all down uh, i'm not sure if we're going to do that but um another label that recently contacted me was progressive records and that's robbie uh, i think his last name spencer 
uh, I believe he's up in South Tahoe area and he's got a really nice studio and at a minimum um, we'll do work together I'm sure and he's got he does film licensing projects and things like that so he said he wanted to just shop it around a little bit and see what the interest was in the community yeah. and then he'd let me know if, if something uh, comes in so I've got that going on and then Don's going on um, so I feel like I'm getting closer because uh, these guys have been in the business longer than I have even. Sure. And, and, you know, so, and they're serious guys that have made pretty good successful lives out of their art, uh, taking an interest. So that, it, it means a lot to me that, that that's happening. So do you, you did the picture of Bill Murray on the t-shirt? Uh, yeah, yeah, that is. That was for a awesome a, a show for Ezra Croft. Actually, he he's done some killers. Thank love you. Love it. Thank you. By the way, I love it. Thanks. Everything's on sale right now too. It says up to thirty percent off. So this Bill Murray T-shirt's only fourteen bucks right now, and I'm like seeing it. My friend actually has a Bill Murray tattoo, and I'm like, nice. I should send this to my buddy. These are these are really great, and you and these are all the you the oh almost, so cute with the Hello Kitty. All of the designs are mine. I, there's a couple of artists. I often get generous when I start uh, running into disabled artists so there's a couple of them in there that that are friends of mine and I try to carry what I can to help other people and promote their art so there's a few artists that are going to be mixed into that that uh, project um, that I own rights to to either their um, art or their music so there's a few people I published in the past through my own little small label called Ripstar and uh, that's the name of my production company that I, I do the shows and do you know the promotions for the events and things like that this tiger um, is hilarious too I love the tiger t-shirt cool. uh, hey guys it's hard to get to but uh, you can you copy paste it off his website yeah. but it's tpublic.com and his thing on there is called backline uh, but neat stuff. If you go to Ripstar, you can you can find, you can get all the way there. But really fun T-shirts, and then uh, thanks. You, yeah, you've got your hands in so many pots. Yeah, I'm trying to you know hit it out of the park, and I need your help. I need the help of the community, and I'd like to come in one day and and buy a building for Mutiny Radio because <laughs> I heard that they need help. Yeah, we're having trouble. Uh, it's. The, our rent went up and I had to pay taxes this year. That was, that was, uh, difficult. I didn't know. Okay. First, I didn't, I didn't understand taxes. Second, you can't write off your taxes the following year. So although I wrote a check to the government for taxes and from the business, I can't write that off next year. You can't write off taxes, which gotcha. I'm like, gotcha. how is that like a thing? Like, Ouch. Why, I feel like we should be able to, I feel like. We should be able. It's a business expense, and right. I should be able to write it off. Right, just subtract for next it year. from your net value. I yeah. feel like I feel like I should be able to do that, so that I can pay ta t less taxes next year. Because it's it's insane. So, this place made like fourteen. I paid myself twelve grand last year, and so I had to pay taxes on the full thing. And even though I'm un I made under sixteen thousand dollars, which is like poverty. If you own your own business, they don't care. They don't care. You have to pay the taxes. And I'm sitting here going like. Yeah. So that like sort of all of these bills came at once. The rent got raised. I had to pay liability insurance for the year because I mean, my, the scariest thing I can think about is somebody getting hurt here. And sure. then we've got ladders. Things are You're dangerous. doing things responsibly. Right. We got to have liability yeah. insurance. I, I can't not pay it. Totally. That we've got a, a big tall stage. Someone could fall up. Diamond Dave's like a hundred years old. Yeah. Like something could happen here. And he's not a hundred. He's 80. But like 
so all of these bills all kind of came at once and so it just like wiped us out yeah. and suddenly I looked at the bank account and I was like ah oh right. my gosh we've got no money left so I think we need to do a fundraiser I think we yeah. should have like in the spring um, or maybe sooner uh, we should talk about that and yeah. try to get some spots in San Francisco well here I'll get you some bands but that's the thing is that I like to do events here cool. because we have the space. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> like, do it. Let's instead do it of doing it, I mean, it's it's great to be at a a bar and something like that. But then it's and that's the, the you know it's one of those things where it's like San Francisco's a drinking town. I mean, it just is, and we're not allowed to drink here. So a lot of people are like, "Whoa, blah blah blah." Yeah, and they I'm don't like, want to play because they can't get drunk. I'm like, they're children. You can you can't exactly. <laughs> I'm like, there's a bar like half a block away. Right. You can take shots there. Uh, it's and about come over the music. Here and hang In this case, it's about community. Right. So we'll find the right people. We'll, right. we'll try to get some people that are into what you're doing here and what you're about. And I'm sure we can do that. Yeah, and, and we'll, bands we'll make are great. It happen. If we do it in an afternoon, we can do it outside. We've done that before. We've had bands play on the street for the whole community, and that's been a lot of fun. Nice. Um, but if you guys want to donate to us, you can. You can go to our summer fundraiser on GoFundMe right now. It's Just go to GoFundMe and look up Mutiny Radio Summer Fundraiser 2018, and we're there, and you can donate. And um, if, if, we make, if we make the money, we'll be able to stay open after the summer. What's your goal? Just 3000 It's not that big. 3000 I know. It seems like nothing. It really is. I mean, we're, we're a little over halfway there. We're at 1600 right now. Cool. And we started it in the first week of June. So Nice. But that's, I mean, honestly, that's the thing is we don't need that much. And, and I, I really believe in like, you know, take what you need and don't waste things. It's like. Places like this should actually have more. Uh, what you're doing with, with artists. I see things. I look around the room and I see a number of people. I, I see Rainbow who's a friend of mine who, who plays the guitar and yeah, paints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he lives up in the hate. I've known him since I was a kid, actually. Wow. He was the one who You're inspired me to You're... be a painter. This wow. Man. This is the man. That's crazy. There's another one of his up there behind the door. Yeah, yeah. If without him, and also music, because what I saw in him, I said, well, he's not uh, the most polished academically. Mm-hmm. But he had a message that was very powerful. If you listen to his music, he talks about nuclear war and disaster and love and all these things. And I felt the power of his music. And I said, you know, that's what it's about. It's not about being perfect or, you know, knowing the instrument. It's can you communicate? Can people feel it? Sure. And he pulled it off. And I was like, well, he gave me the courage to try it. Because without seeing that level of, you know, artistry, there's different levels. I don't know that I would have had the courage. So he yeah. was one of them I give a lot cool. of credit to. You're a local. You, you grew up in San Francisco. I did from age 12. Wow. Yeah, I came here, was homeless first upon landing here. What? And uh, yeah, my mom, she didn't have the best plan. Huh. You know, she was a dreamer. She was in Kentucky and was like, oh, I'll go to California and do my little thrift store. And it was a cool idea. But she didn't know that the rents were like 10 times higher, maybe right. probably 20 times higher than where sure. we were from. And she came and her resources got exhausted very quickly. The friends that she had allegedly, uh, you know, they said, oh, you can stay here until you get your own place. It turned into a disaster. She was sure. couch surfing from one place to the next. And then pretty soon it was like, there is no couch and you were in a homeless shelter. Wow. So we hit bottom. Wow. And we sold everything that she carried uh, in her little attached trailer thing on mm-hmm. her little 
car. It was a really tiny car pulling this big ass trailer thing. Um, I didn't come for like a month later, but she, she drove across the country in this thing, made it here, and then ended up having to sell everything that she brought, which she collected for years, by the way, oh. like all these yard sales and things, all this vintage, really high, she has a very good eye for vintage clothing and whatnot, 30s and stuff, like high-end stuff. Cool. And she sold it on the street for pennies oh. on, the, the, on what the value oh. really was. But, she was but that open a was store with it. that was the money that we used to eventually be able to first get into a place. So sure. it did save us because first and last month's rent. It's or first yeah. and last month. It's, it's almost impossible yeah. to get into a place. Exactly. And then you don't have the references. You've never been here before. People right. are looking at you. She didn't have a job. You know, it was sure. really she had a lot of obstacles and a kid. And people are not very friendly towards kids, no. single mothers here at all. That, yeah. So yeah. we had a little tough time, but we eventually got a break. And uh, we, we ended up getting multiple breaks throughout life uh, while I was growing up. So we had some pretty cool housing situations. Cool. Um, and uh, I loved coming to the Bay Area. I mean, without the experience of coming here, uh, I don't know what really would have happened. You know, sure. Because Kentucky, uh, it's a hardworking, the people I was around, at least, they were hardworking people, farm people. There were horses and nature, and it was beautiful. I mean, I grew up with, with wild animals and you know creatures of all kinds played with snakes and did all those things um and it was great but the world was limited sure. to, to where i was and and coming here it just opened up the entire globe to me right uh, so it was good wow you were homeless yeah that's so intense were you going to school when you were homeless uh, how did you work I, I that out? I did. I did. Uh, for the first couple of weeks, I wasn't. But when school started, it was a requirement, actually, in the program to be on a really rigorous schedule. They were religious people. They had a living place and a schedule for everything. Sure. And, uh, yeah, you had to follow certain rules. And I got in school right away. Um, my mom got signed up for all the different benefits that she could qualify for. And after a two or three months with some help we were able to find a spot and, and get settled. Wow. yeah it's impossible in this city because rents now like to rent a studio is like twenty five hundred dollars so it's just right. an, it's insane to think that you need five thousand dollars just to move in somewhere yep and if if you were living in a tent on the street that is an insurmountable amount of money yeah, if it's you're like, at a tent level on the street, you you have that extra barrier of reference and employment because it's hard to be clean and get a job. Right. You know, even if you've got skills. Sure. It's a very delicate uh, situation. I don't think a lot of people understand how many people are actually out there. When I came, I did an essay to get into college on the topic because it bothered me. It's like sure. I went through it as a child and now I'm seeing my uh, you know, 18, 20 year olds and, and the hate and I was seeing yeah. uh, uh, mostly it was mentally challenged individuals on the street. Now it's a different situation. Now it's just Poor people, just yeah. average and smart, old, poor old people. people, and old people, and which is crazy to me that we have we, we have old. Every time I see like an old, questionably housed person, I'm like, "What is wrong with us?" Right? What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us we're that greedy. we're letting? That's we're a person. We're greedy. We're greedy, it, and it, there's no excuse for it because 
We went, you know, the rents are astronomical for what you're getting compared to other places. Sure. The quality of life were ranked really low in California. California's was ranked low compared to a lot of other states. Huh. Uh, I think it's one of the lowest, actually, if you look at different ratings. So like our education, quality oh, of life, okay. things like that. Yeah. Um, and needles everywhere. Oh, it needles everywhere. I mean, it's Poop and needles everywhere. Yeah. 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 In front of the library, I keep seeing people drop them down the grate and I'm like... God, is there? Can we get like a little safe receptacle thing here for it? I mean, it's yeah. We tried different just, all uh, sorts of programs uh, uh, trying to to get that uh, reined in, but we're we're not um, like you said, empathy. We're not smart about addressing the core root of these problems, and we're surrounded by poisons and trying to oh, escape man. our pain. And yeah. so the people are medicating themselves mm-hmm. and trying to escape and, and numb themselves. And just, it's a scary situation. Yeah. And it's only gonna get worse unless we do the right things to fix the problem. And I don't hear a single person in public health or leadership in any place talking about what are the right steps? What well, do we need to do? Amy Farrell Weiss does, and you, she ran okay, for mayor, good, and good. she did not win, unfortunately. Uh, London Breed won, but London Breed is great because, well, not because her sister died, but her sister did die of an opiate. She's, she's local. She grew up in San Francisco, and her sister died from an opiate overdose, so she's really into safe injection sites, and she nice. actually has like multiple plans just to fix that one particular problem. But Amy Farrell Weiss, she has a way to fix the homelessness problem, and it she already started it. It's called the St. Francis Project. You guys can look it up online. And what they do is right now they have two, it's like a beta, she has it in a beta product project right now, but it's two tiny homes hmm. for transitional housing for people coming from tents so that they can stabilize themselves so that then they can, you know, move on. They have it. So, and the, you can see them um, if you go down Mission Street, Mission and 15th, there's a red building. And in the parking lot behind it, there's two like really pretty mural little little houses that are have murals painted on them and those are these nice. tiny houses and so they have two of them right now and they have she she has land gifted to her so that they're all mobile they're you can trail them around and it's the size there's like a bed and you can put a dresser in there and there's a lock and um there's a little bathroom and so like porta potties place you can wash your hands and her idea is that eventually there'll be like you know 10 of them in a little community and in the center is a little like public cooking area and bathrooms and stuff. So they're creating their own community within a community that, and it's just getting people off the street. So she was saying that if she, she's like, if you elect me, I will get 3000 people housed in this, this year. Nice. She was like, I'll do it, but she didn't get chosen, but I'm hoping that people will work with her because her idea is awesome. These yeah, things cost like, one. they cost like $400 to build even with right. the trailer. Well, you could actually get them probably even, uh, lower that there's a program called Asian neighborhood design in San Francisco and I went in as part of my job I looked at uh, them building the structures these little miniature houses and then they take them apart after they're done it's part of a training program to train the construction workers huh. so and they're funded by the state and if we can figure out how to link up different resources like that exactly then they don't have to take them apart they can actually put them somewhere but we need the somewhere well we no, and, the somewhere we need the land or the spaces and Amy, so that we can put 
people in livable spots. They have. She has gifted space already. People have wow. already gifted. But that's the thing is they don't have the resources to make the little houses. So it sounds uh, like two things can come together yeah, on that maybe, one. Maybe they should talk. These yeah, two different these programs. Because they're programs. both nonprofits. Yeah, Asian exactly. Neighborhood Design. They're, and what's the other one? Uh, it's called the St. Francis Homelessness Project. Maybe they should communicate and see if they can work it out. Yeah, because that would be pff, ideal. But that's the thing is that we can actually... This is... These are the crazy things is that these are solvable problems. We can solve our city's problems, but we have to address them and we have to worry about them. And the thing is that we've just swept it under the rug for so long. And, you know, during the whole Super Bowl thing, what did we do with our homelessness issue? We gave them, we spent $4 million to send them all to Daly City with vouchers for like hotels. They gave, they gave, um, the city got $4 million to deal with, to just get them out of downtown. They're like, get them anywhere, just not here. And so what Amy was saying is that with $4 million, she could have built tons of these little homes. They could have made little yurts for people. There there could have been many ways for them to spend this $4 million instead of giving them hotel vouchers. I'm going to look into her. She sounds like a she's amazing. Person. Yeah, she's and she's like a she really cares about the community. And it's amazing to meet someone like you or like when there are people who still care about community and aren't just in it for a buck. It's it's Thank a, you. it's that's what it seems like the landscape of San Francisco is changing and that there used to be more of this. There used to be this grassroots feeling. There used to be this flowers in your hair sort of hippie dippy beat poet mentality. And now that's sort of being priced out or maybe everyone's just dying like all the cool old people that were trying to keep it real well it's it's really hard i think it's a combination of those things you're right and and i think it's hard um when you see especially if you're a fan of history and you look at you know what's happened and what we tried and we start like late 50s and we go through uh the 70s and how much effort was made and then we get people like the Trumps and other people and the the greedy people that kind of try to wipe those things away and just go backwards in time and isolate people. And we're taking steps forward and backwards and people are like, okay, well we can't trust this because we've tried, we did this and then they get burnt. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people just, they get tired Sure. and we have to figure out a way to break that cycle and not be naive and just fall back into the same traps and do the same thing over and over again. One of the things you touched on earlier that I want to revisit is taxes. Oh, yeah. Because one of my ideas actually is if, if we can get behind it with enough people, uh, because we are a democracy, or at least we're supposed to be. Um, <laughs> the taxes, if you have a right to choose, in other words, okay, now you don't. You just pay the tax and it's a certain amount, whatever. And they do what they will. They have budgets. They pass them through Congress. And then they hide the money. There's a whole scheme going on. I learned this when I was in the Homeland Security. They hide all the defense money and call it different things. And Um. and so we're spending way more on military than people really know about. Sure. And so if you say... Uh, I am a a conscientious uh, objector. I can barely say the word. Um, And you want to make sure that your taxes go to social programs versus war. Sure. War industry things. And you have some leverage there of clicking a box and maybe they'll still not follow it to the T or whatever. But if if they can get even a percentage of that money that you're saying doesn't go to the the war enterprise and instead it goes to the social programs and the education and the different things, then we start to shift through public pressure and decision making uh, where the money's going. Yeah. 
I'd give it's all my money to the abortions. Money. Follow the money. Follow the money. It's it's with uh, healthcare, um, uh, real estate, and, and mm-hmm. your taxes, and all of these things. If you want the end result of a better place, better world, follow the money. Right. And put your energy into the thing that's sustainable and going to come back to to better the society. The natives talk about seven generations out. They like oh. to think about you know the future, not your your little career career or your little time on the planet, but the future for, sure. for future generations. And I think that's an important lesson. There's a lot of lessons if we just listen to our, our relatives and our natives, uh, f- uh, friends. Someone just w- well, walked into for the building. The, for, he yeah, looks pretty famous. Show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, make room for him. No, 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 you're, you're, he's on the next show. We're all good. We are going to wrap it up in a few minutes. Cool. Um, but I, hey, I agree. That sounds amazing. If I could choose where my taxes would go, I'd give it all to abortions. I'd there be like, just all of it. Give it all to Planned Parenthood. Give it all to, to women's health. There you go. <laughs> and, 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 and family planning choices. Yes. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And we that's could have qualitative I'd... reviews. We can have studies and research and we could f- create an overall pie that still has you know because we, we have national interest right sure. so we could say okay well we're always going to need a quarter or less you know segment for these types of things and then a general agreement that these other sectors can vary depending on choices and sure whatnot. we can I create a, a formula great idea. that's a better formula than what we currently have because what we're doing is we're supporting death and destruction industries right. even when we think we're oh this is about consumerism and we're going to make a profit how can you make a profit if your end result is a de- depletion of the planet that can't sustain you making that product so eventually you're not going to be able to make the product right. you're not going to be able to consume the product everybody's going to be sick in the hospital and you know, you can't, and we can't like, build more hospitals because we don't have any wood left. What's the yeah. point? You know, we don't put everybody in prison and, um, you it, know, yeah, institutionalize everyone. So, I, I, I'm I for totally health. agree. I with want you. people to be healthy and, and aware and awake and make positive choices in their life. And we have to start by what we're putting in our bodies, what we're consuming, what we're right. dreaming about, what we're thinking about, how we're learning. Oh, anyway, it's great to be on dude. your program. I would say one more thing on what I wanted to touch on what you just said. I don't understand we when when we get mad at another country or they start doing something, rather than go in and help them, help them and restructure what they already have, we like to destroy everything they have so that we can come in and build more. And it well, seems we're making money. Right. So we make money on and the we bombs. Justify the action by creating the con- we create the conflict we a lot of times conflict. we go yeah. in if you do the analysis on the wars yeah. you go oh this is part of a chess game that started back in the 50s with the CIA and the secret services and we, we have this uh, distorted reality that we're going to spread democracy and that these people are barbaric and we're, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys and this has been going on for generations for centuries right, right? so we've got to get away from that and recognize that the stories that we've been told and have been telling are made up to benefit a very few people, minuscule yeah. group of people, and that's just bullshit. Yeah. And the reality is, is that the people, the power is in the people. Right. And the people have to learn how to be responsible enough to exercise their power. And what can you do without putting yourself in harm's way? Because this system's ready for you. They, sure. they want you to put they, yourself in harm's way. Yeah, they'll shoot they'll us. They'll just take you out. Yeah, exactly. No problem. Next. But if you know how to, to learn these strategies and you work as groups, 
Mm -hmm. you can make really strong change in small groups. I think it was uh, Margaret, uh, was it Margaret Mead? Never doubt that few people can change the world. She has a famous quote, beautiful lady. Um, And then uh, Roosevelt, Mrs. Roosevelt said something along, uh, you can't be a victim without giving your consent. I kind of agree with her on some levels. She's completely right. But then there's the exception. The exception is, is the misuse and abuse of power in the sense of the state structure with, uh, um, you know, blowing people up like over in Iraq or somewhere, yeah. somewhere else. Um, We're such jerks. So we have to get along. We have to learn to get along. We have to learn to get along. Yeah. I know. And if, share. We got to share. Yeah, but why do we not like share? Well... Because uh, we're afraid. It's a fear-based mechanism. Because we're afraid that if we share that we won't have enough for ourselves. We're afraid. We're hoarding because we're planning for the rainy day, but we hoard too much. We've, right. we've, it's an extreme, exaggerated death and destruction tendency that comes from this ancient thing of killing the bugs because we're afraid we're going to be bitten. We're hoarding the resources, mm-hmm. thinking that we have to have them, you know, but we've taken it too far. Uh, yeah. And capitalism has is, is become a disease rather than a competitive, let's it, improve it things and get to a good place. Hoarding is it's, literally it's a, disease. a disease. There's there's 18 million Americans now that are afflicted with hoarding, meaning that they're buried and their lives can no longer function healthily because of their excess of stuff stuff i'm trying to get rid of my stuff yeah (laughs) awesome you're such a great interview thank you so much for being here rob adam jackson everybody go to the show at dada on post street from 9 14 july 14th from 9 to close and go see the art go to rip tide rip star rip star rip star on the internet and uh, go check out those cool t-shirts and I'll see you guys September 14th at Winter's Tavern. Seven, uh, yes, September 14th at Winter's Tavern, made out of an old ship. Thanks again so much for being here. Thanks for listening to Mutiny, Mutiny Radio. We're going to be up next with Sparkast. of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin 